The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Wexford author Kath Hogan has had a great week. She's been chosen as one of the four writers to be writers in residence at the Irish Writers' Centre. And Kat is on the phone with more details. And you're very welcome back to The Sunday Grill, Kat. Lovely to be back, Orla. How are you? I'm grand. How are you getting on? Good, good. Getting there now, slowly but surely. It was a busy week this week. Uh, good, busy week. So, yeah, it, it was a nice one. Lots of good news. Lots of things happening for, for the first time in weeks, actually. So, And I've spoken to a few authors in the last few months and a lot about working from home. And I suppose the take home is that author, authors and writers work from home most of the time anyway. Does that mean you're very good at this lockdown? I would say, I would say yes and no. Um, I suppose in my day job, I work in adult literacy and further education. So, okay. you know, I could be anywhere. I could be in Gorey, I could be in Waterford, I could be anywhere. And I'm in a classroom full of people. So I'm really missing that at the moment. But mm. yeah, there would be a part of me that's quite used to locking myself away into a room and focusing on a task and not really worrying about what's going on in the world outside of that room do you know when we're trying to get writing done and trying to get chapters and stuff done so it's it's slightly different because we're all at home here together 24 mm. 7 and it's mm-hmm. very difficult to maybe find that little bit of space in your head sometimes but I think that's the same complaint everybody is having at the moment from working from home so welcome to our world people <laughs> So you had great news this week, as we said at the start. You are now one of four writers to be a writer in residence at the Irish Writers' Centre. Is this a big coup? It is a big coup. And it was only announced sort of during the week evening time. I was outside the supermarket when I spotted the tweets. But like the Irish Writers' Centre are amazing anyway. They're such a good resource for Irish writers and Irish writing and they offer an awful lot of courses they'd be very well respected within the industry in Ireland and beyond and now I've done a bit of work with them before but to I suppose be chosen out of lots of applications for their writers in their residence program always lovely it was really exciting so basically what that entails is I suppose a a video and a, a written record of how a writer muddles their way through a a writing project Mm. during a pandemic you know and and trying to knock out that block out that noise in our heads and focus and I mean I suppose the reality is now more than ever we've seen how important art is to all of us I mean we're Mm. all at home we're reading books we're looking at Netflix we're looking at movies you know we're listening to music so you know, it's just it's just a, an initiative, I suppose, really, the writers in their residence to track that progress and highlight it and sort of, you know, the fact that how important it is to continue so creating. You are creating content about how you create content during a pandemic. Is that right? Pretty much. So I, I said earlier on, this was a busy week. I finished the first draft of the current novel the day before I got the news about the um the writers in residence thing so that was a really good day as well you know it's been mm. one I've been working on for quite some time and yeah, because it's with three years is it since your last three, novel yeah, was 2017 the last book came out and then it was sort of shifting and moving around and different bits and pieces that I won't mm. get into 
at the moment and then I had a couple of other projects that are, that are on the go at the moment as well so it was sort of the first couple of weeks when we were all at home I thought you know and I was always the one complaining oh my god if I just had time to be at home and be locked down in the house that I could finish this book so when that <laughs> happened I was kind of like, well I can't be a hypocrite now I better just get yeah. it done you know which I did and I sort of powered on through it and, and I found it was brilliant because it was the only the only place really in the world at the moment that I had kind of any control on over what was going on and you know because it was in the pages of my own work so I muddled on through to the end of it I'm not going to say how good it is at the moment because that that's debatable but uh so yeah that happened and then the, the following day obviously the announcement was made about the writers in their residence program which can be followed on twitter and mm. facebook and instagram using the hashtag writers in their residence so basically what i'm doing over the next few weeks is making videos um about what's going on now it could be i'll have to pick the good days that i'm actually being productive and being creative you know and just this idea of well, how do we, with everything going on around us, how do we actually cr create words and, you know, whatever it might be? It sounds a so, lot yeah. like the Instagram life versus reality. And I oh, presume oh, yeah. it, 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 it is good to show the reality of maybe writer's block or trying to find a space where you can write. Oh, it is. And I think, you know, there's there's this kind of, disillusion that people have and I know I've said it before kind of at talks and stuff like for a long time I had this misconception that writers had some kind of magical quality that they mm. drifted off up into a garret somewhere they wrote a masterpiece stuck a cover on it and and there was your bestseller and you know I always felt as a normal Joe Soap writer so to speak it was kind of well I don't have that mystical quality so I can't be a writer, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, no, I, I think you. we need to get the word out there. That's number one, sort of if you've so any kind of a, a flair or a gift towards writing as well. What's going to get you through this process is discipline and hard work and being able to, to look at a project and go, well, no, you're not going to write a masterpiece from start to finish the first time round. That mm. that takes work and it takes constant sort of digging and reshaping and molding and, you know, sort of mm. then something will start to come out of that plunk of mess that's on the on the desk in front of you, you know. So it's I suppose it's maybe documenting that process more than anything, this idea yeah. that you know what, it is doable. And if it's something you've a real honest passion for, it's doable you know yeah, but, but it's with hard the, work exactly now your last two novels were they all fall down and there was a crooked man both That's based right. in your hometown of Kilmore Quay yes indeed nice dark twisty tales and about sort yes. of the depths of flawed human nature and are you able to tell us about this third book that you've just handed in? Are you staying in that same kind of psychological thriller genre? Yeah it's it's yeah, it's in that kind of psychological thriller type genre, and it's another dark, very dark novel actually. Um, two main characters, and then one is in the present. Her name is Emily. She's a chef, an American chef, working in a kitchen in just outside Dublin, more or less. Now that could change, so don't hold me to it. And then our second okay. character is Wanda, and we meet her back. Our first encounter with Wanda is back 
1988 and her story is told as we go along as well and I suppose it's really a story about revenge and vigilante justice because what else would you be writing on a beautiful spring day only stories like that but um, (laughs) but yeah it's you know it's coming it's a standalone novel so it has no connection to the first two whatsoever but yeah it's that that lovely dark twisty sort of oh god what's going to happen next with these very twisted people type story so that's what I'm working on at the moment and then I've another project on the go um can't say too much about it at the moment but it is in relation to the first two books our lovely bad boy Scott might be getting another outing but I'll keep you posted about that one and I don't want to jinx it so I'm not going to say too much at the moment but that's like a little another little project I'm working on in the shadows at the moment so it's all good I'm a bit of a very fast reader and even faster these days when I have a bit of time on my hands at night time. But I read a book by an author, yeah. I think her name was Claire Allen, where she, at the back of it, she wrote, I, I haven't always been a psychological thriller writer. I've moved genres. And I actually thought of that. There, there aren't many authors who do move onto other genres. Like, Can you ever see yourself writing a bit of chiclet or a bit of historical fiction? I... I had sort of started on a historical fiction novel maybe about 18 months ago. Mm. Now, this was the real passion project. It's about a character and an actual historical character that I want. Her story needs to be out in the world. Okay. I don't like I I suppose from the time I was four years of age, I've been researching this woman and doing just amazing. But sort of at the beginning of the year last year. I kind of let the fear get in on top of me, if I'm honest. Mm. And it was such a massive project that I allowed the whole thing to overwhelm me. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do this woman justice. And and it was then I started, I switched back into the crime novel and I, I wrote that one and got through it. But funnily enough, I've been thinking about her. I'm looking at my bookcase here in front of me now. And there's three books about her sitting in front of mm. me. Um, but I've been thinking about her a lot lately as well. So who knows, maybe when I get through the edits on this one, I might sit back down and have a chat with her. And she's not talking to me at the moment. Isn't that her. a real typical example of fear of the unknown that you've done so oh, well with totally. your psychological thriller genre that it's like it's a little bit of fear of the unknown. And a li- that real Irish thing we have of don't be moving out of your corner. Oh, yeah. Or don't get notions yeah. about yourself. Do you yeah. know, yeah, it's it's a very strange one. And I think it's one probably writers and musicians and photographers and artists, everybody. I suppose we all struggle with that, that mm. inner critic yeah. sometimes anyway, you know, and I suppose that's the beauty of writing, because like I spend a lot of time working in secondary schools with juniors or kids. And I do programs with adults as well, like coming from purely from the perspective of a writer, Mm. but using writing as a tool for positive mental health and as as a tool for communication. And, you know, almost like the the therapeutic value attached to getting your words down on paper Mm. and getting that, that inner critic out of your head and stuff, you know, and it does. It's like and I think that's probably why I got to the end of the novel during this time because I mean we're none of us really know how to react at the moment and it's that fear and you know you were sort of we're listening to the news every evening and 
it's it's so overwhelming sometimes so I think I just to block out reality I jumped mm. into the writing as well you know but it is that inner critic can be can be paralyzing Definitely. for people sometimes and that's what happened to me with the um the historical fiction I just I kind of got to the stage where I thought oh my god I'm just not good enough mm. to do this and oh, it paralyzed it. me mm. But in the meantime, you have had a good week. As we just said, you are one of the writers in residence for the Irish Writer Centre. But you are a writer in your residence. So the hashtag is writers in their residence. If people want to check you out on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram. I'm really looking forward to seeing your realities of writing. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what happens. I might have to have them edited now before I send them in to be published. But, I hope uh, you're dressing so, from the waist up like everyone else seems to be these yeah, days. Yeah, I'll have to blow, I'll blow dry my hair for those Do, ones and put wash on a my bit face, of mascara. You know, Brilliant exactly, cat. You know, it but, was so lovely to talk to you. And people can check you out, of course, on your Instagram as well, which is... Oh, yeah. Come find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure I'm always up for procrastination and talking to people on Twitter instead of writing. So sure, aren't we uh, all? Brilliant, Kat. It yes, was so lovely indeed. to talk to you this morning. You too, Orla. Thanks for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Gashka, the President's Award, has launched Gashka at home for 15 to 25-year-olds. Jer Brady is the Development Officer at Gashka and she's on the phone with more details. Hiya, Jer. Good morning. How are you doing, Arl? How are things? Very good. Very good this morning. Thank God. I have to say, Jer, when I was a teenager, getting a Gashka Award meant you were very high achieving. Obviously, I never got one. And that it was something that people would say, that'll be great on your CV. It's something that we think very highly of, isn't it? Absolutely. It's very highly regarded personal development programme. I mean, it's, it's directly, it's challenged directly from the President of Ireland. So I suppose you don't get higher than that. Um, and uh, I suppose we're celebrating our 35th birthday later in the year and to date over 300,000 Irish, young Irish people have, have done the award but I mean it's all over, um, it's in every element of society and in every group so it's not just for the high achievers and I think we need to say that <laughs> like, it's really with any young people in, our, in Ireland, um, young person has the opportunity to do it. And it's all about values, isn't it? You know, it's about empowerment and inclusion and respect. So your project can focus around any of those things. Absolutely. I mean, you you have to kind of, you focus on three main challenge areas, which is physical recreation, personal skills. And I suppose if I'm biased, my favourite is uh, community involvement. So you are developing your confidence but also you're, you really can impact on the community that you live in. Um, and young people are extraordinary. And um, I think particularly now uh, what's showing is, you know, our communities have got kind of smaller. Um, so it's young people really looking out for elderly neighbours in mm-hmm. the community. Um, so I, I suppose Gashka Sawali came about because of the situation where 18,000 young people had signed up already this year to do it. So it was to enable them to finish their um, to finish the award, knowing that a lot of the activities that they had chosen could not be done anymore. Mm. So it is allowing there's a flexibility there to allow young people to change what they had chosen initially. Um, but it's also for if other young people want to get involved and have never have thought, God, maybe Gash is not for me. Um, and then kind of, kind of liked the idea of it or maybe missed the boat in TY where we would traditionally be um, rolled out. 
Um, and also as well, it's for parents. Um, if they have young people at home and they you know, there's, don't really have the structure in their lives mm. that we've had, um, it's to encourage them. And I have to say, as a mother of 15-year-old twins, I have signed my pair up, so I'm practicing what <laughs> Do I they preach. Know? Do they know you've signed up? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I mean, their ownership of it has been really incredible. Um, and that's what I have found, given them... Give, give the young people an opportunity and and they really want mm. to and I think particularly around the community um, and we're hearing really fantastic stories um, a young man you know has just signed up to Sawalia and he's in his neighbour's back garden doing an elderly neighbour doing the gardening oh, and watering fab. the plant like we're saying your community can actually be in your home um, and it's helping out parents and, and everybody's a bit stretched at the moment True. so it's about you know supporting them but a, another young woman has changed she was um i'm not 100 percent what she was doing initially but she's now changed to knitting the, the innocent bigness um and all the um the monies of that go towards age action but she's knitting with her mom at home wow. so it's a nearly it's a win-win-win yeah. because you know there's bonding and it's, it's you know getting back to knitting crafting mm-hmm. um not being on your phone I'm, not really not being on your phone. Is it is the Goshka Award usually an individual award or could you do it within a group? Say if you're in TY or you're in your 20s and you want to do something with your friends. Absolutely. I mean, it is you set your own individual challenges, but people work within groups. Um, okay. And particularly, I think, as, as you move up to, through the award levels from bronze to silver to gold, a lot of people doing gold would do it in university. And they would do an, um, you know, a, an adventure journey with a group of pals. Um, a lot of people do the Camino. There's, and there's not even saying you don't have to go away. There's incredible walks um, around Ireland. Um, but also, I mean, I suppose the Gold Award ceremony that we had before Christmas, um, just the young people, the impact that they had on their community. I mean, Michael D. Higgins went as far as to say like, the future's safe in the hands of the young people that mm-hmm. are here in this room. I mean, and that's as I said again, you don't get higher praise than that. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing to hear some of the stories. And I think, you know, we hear a lot of stories about young people doing certain things and we and we don't realise that it has grown from a Goshka Award, maybe. Absolutely. And I mean, they're developing passions that you start maybe as a 15-year-old um, and you get involved um, in maybe, look, you know, working in your local charity shop one day a week, but this builds like a, a, a social responsibility almost. And they, these people, these young people move on and move on through their life with real social responsibility. Um, and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's massively impactful. I mean, we hear uh, the wonderful stories every day. Um, it makes it a brilliant job, I have to say. Yeah, I can imagine. So we are doing Gashka at home at the moment. And as you said, lots of uh, young people thinking outside the box with this. But there's loads of information online if they want to get some sort of inspiration, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Tons. Visit the website. There's gashka.ie. There's loads of actually really good Instagram um, uh, stories as well. And if anybody wants to email, it's home at gashka.ie. And if there's any parents out there like yourself, Chair, who decides to sign <laughs> their children up for it, they can do that as well. Absolutely. Come one, come all. <laughs> Brilliant, Chair. Well, that is Gashka at home for the days that we're in at the moment. And it's gashka.ie if people want to check it out. Thanks a million for talking to me this morning. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on, Orla. Mind yourself. 
The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. They've just finished up their week of virtual open days and now WIT are working towards the CAO Change of Mind facility, which opens up on May 5th. Of course, all colleges are working towards that and schools as well. Derek O'Byrne is on the phone from WIT with more details. Hiya, Derek. Hi, how are things? Great, how are you getting on? Very good. It, it's... Um Strange enough, while we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic, we're actually extremely busy in, in WIT at the moment trying to start planning for our um, intake next year and, and trying to help people out in, in terms of the career decisions that they need to make. Mm. Um, so while we, we hear an awful lot about things not happening, uh, I think we'd like to send out a message that things are happening and things will have to happen and, and that we want to be ready uh, and, and able to help people. Now, you've got a lot of publicity last week from your virtual open days. How did they go in the end? They just finished up there on Friday. Yes, our open days have finished um, on Friday. Um, we had a number of them o- over four days and uh, they went extremely well. There was uh, an awful lot of interest um, and uh, an awful lot of, of people were uh, engaging as we would have uh, are delighted to see are engaging in kind of what the careers are going to look like uh, and what kind of offers um, places uh, will be there this year for them. Um, I think our, our, our experience is that the, the Leaving Cert cohort of this year are, are, are starting to think about um, their, their college entry. Um, and one of the messages I think we're trying to send out in that is that, uh, you know, the, 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 the economy, the country will open up again, um, that we would like people to start thinking longer term rather than shorter term and look to that future and start thinking about those career decisions uh, and certainly that was the message that came out to us over those open days, that people are thinking about the future uh, and they are, um, you know, they're getting on with it, so to speak. Mm. And I suppose these are really confusing times for many, but not least those students of the Leaving Cert that you just mentioned there. No definite date for exams, no idea when they'll get the results. Does that mean that the CAO change of mind is an added pressure or is it just carry on regardless? Yeah, I, I think um, the Leaving Cert is, is a stressful time um, and I think as a nation we put so much emphasis on that Leaving Cert um, it adds that stress onto it. So a lot of the conversations at the moment are, are on that, that Leaving Cert piece and that, that's very stressful. Um, so, you know, it is, it's, you know, a, a pandemic in the middle of your Leaving Cert definitely does add to the pressure, there's kind of no doubt about that. Um, uh, and, and I think the message has to be a very clear message to students that the career choices you want to make post leaving cert are kind of independent of the leaving cert. You really need to think about um, the strengths and weaknesses that you have, the kind of interests that you have. Um, you know, we repeatedly said to people that if you enjoy your college experience, you're going to do well in college. You're going to come out of college with a good degree, and you're going to end up with a good career. And in some ways, that's nearly independent of what it is you start studying in college. Mm. You know, people change career regularly, and and, and that's the phenomenon of, of of the modern world. And we see actually throughout this pandemic, we see disciplinarians that we never thought of of. of, of perhaps, or uh, didn't know what they did coming to the fore uh, and, and being talked about and, and being exposed, I suppose, to public uh, in, in a much broader sense. So th- there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of things there that you can do in the future. Um, and that depends on you getting the right kind of courses for you as an individual. It's not about picking the right career. It's about picking the right kind of course that you're going to do well in. Um, and that's known about yourself um, and every year we say to people, we've produced a number of guides on our on our website that you can download, and that will help you walk through that kind of what are my 
what are my strengths, what are my interests, and what kind of careers might I look at as a result of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but the message is, 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 should be very clear. You know, you, you need to kind of think about the, the leaving cert and the career choices into CAO arising from that in, in the sense of the longer term of, of what you want and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, yeah, you're, you're right. We need to normalize that kind of conversation now. It's, it's, that's not about the position we're in within a pandemic. That's actually about the individual and, and what you're good at and how you're going to translate what you're good at into the future. Mm. So I, I would suggest that we really need to take this kind of longer term view, not a short term view. Yeah. And we've talked in the past about, you know, being 17 and not knowing what you wanted to do. And, and that meaning that lots of us have experiences of maybe doing a year of college and then dropping out and doing another course or just not going back to college until later on in life. And there is a final application date for um, mature applicants, WIT, for May the 1st as well. Tell us a little bit about that May the 1st date. Yeah, the the May the 1st date is an important date for anyone who hasn't yet made an application to the CAO. Okay, so that gives you the opportunity to make an application now. And it is quite possible that, uh, you know, People may have thought they weren't going to go to college um, and hadn't made an application at the earlier dates, and now are kind of thinking in the in the changing world that maybe maybe where they really want to go is to college. So now is the opportunity to put that application in, um, and once you're in, then uh, you can facilitate yourself with the change of mind later on. Um, and, and I think probably would would suggest that. Like with the leaving cert changing, there probably will be some changes to the timelines, the dates within the leaving cert. Um, I think you could suggest that, but not, mm. notwithstanding that, you, you know, we should stick with the deadlines that are given to us there. So the, the 1st of May is an important deadline to make sure you have an application in if you are going to, to think about, about college. Um, and even if you're unsure, you might be better off to make an application now. You can always say no, but you can't say yes if you're not in. Um so in, in that respect, it's probably easier to actually make the application now and get that in, and, and at least you've got that application in, and um, you can then decide what you want to do uh, under the change of mind if you're not sure yet, okay. um, and at least you've got the option. So that's mature applicants, but also people who have completed their leaving cert and are under 23, that's, is that right? That, that's, no, that's everybody can make an application on, on up to May, May okay. the 1st. Brilliant. As usual, and as you've said earlier, WIT have lots of booklets up on their website for parents and school leavers or people who are doing uh, their leaving cert this year with advice on what to do with your CAO and how to make those decisions. We, we have tended to think about the, the country in, in lockdown at the moment, but um, higher education very much is still open for, for business and, and is communicating and talking with students. And if anyone does have any questions or queries, it is important to connect into the higher education institutions, whether it's WIT or, or others. Um, while we may not have a physical presence on campus, we are all working remotely, um, so queries, emails will be answered. Um, so feel free to, to make those queries and, and um, you will get an answer from us. Great, some great points there, Derek. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest is uh, the owner of the business Penned to Publish. Amy Nicaoli believes creativity is hugely beneficial for children in all times, but especially now that we have this new normal. With that in mind, she's created a children's creative competition where the prize is the chance to have your own book published. Amy from Penned to Publish is here to tell us more. Hi, Amy. Hi, Hessings. Now, what a prize, a chance for a child to have their own book published. I think this would have been my dream when I was a kid. What motivated you to offer this? 
I suppose for me, I, you know, initially never thought that I would be able to, to write books myself. And um, I know it's very daunting to think about writing a book or even starting a short story. But the first step is always sitting down and giving it a go. Uh, when I started writing books, it was something that I never thought I would get into. But once I started, I loved it and I haven't stopped since. As I say to people, if you are if you were to sit down from Monday to Thursday and write 250 words every single night, by the end of it, you'd have a novel or at least the guts of it. Um, there's no age limit um, to writing at all. So it's just a, it's just a case of taking the time and um, allowing yourself the opportunity. For children, I think the fact that they are at home now and they're outside of school, it's a great activity that they could sit at the kitchen table and start doing. And there is a great prize at the end of it. So it gives them a little bit of motivation to, to work towards it. And is that why you started Pen to Publish, to self-publish your own books? No, I initially self-published my own books. Um, I'm a music therapist um, by trade, mm-hmm. and um, I decided to write music therapy books um, for elderly residents' homes. And I um, initially was offered publishing contracts, but I wasn't aware of the fact that you would get a certain amount of royalties when the books were being published. Mm. So for me, um, because I was ignorant to what what you would be offered, I decided that I would go and see how easy it would be to self-publish the books. Now, I would never say it's easy. Um, it definitely was very time-consuming and an awful lot of hard work, but it was very, very rewarding in the finish. And I learned so much from it between illustrating, design, editing, proofing, even finding printers around Ireland. Um, and going down and actually visually seeing the printers that they use. Mm. Um, I use stickers in my book, so even the type of stickers that I use. And um, down as far as the colour scheme, the type of paper that we print on. So there's a lot more in it than just the writing element mm-hmm. of, of the book. So once I had my finished book in hand, sure that that was it. You know, I, I was ready to go again. I, I loved it. and So I you saying, felt this- more in control, did you? Absolutely, yeah. Now, I've, I've also got traditional publishing deals as well, um, which I allow go through. But I did feel a little bit more in control because I think at the end of it, if you give it to a publisher, you're depending on the publisher to market it, to distribute it mm. and to sell it. And you'll never sell the book as best as you will sell it yourself mm-hmm. because it's your heart and soul that has gone into it. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about the age group that you're offering this competition to to publish their own book. So it's for 7 to 13-year-olds. It is, yeah, 7 to 13-year-olds. And they can write Um, about anything they want? Anything they want. I haven't put, um, there's no genre on it, so it's really wherever your imagination takes you. Um, There's going to be three different prizes, so there's three different entries. One is for the best creative writer, the other one is for the best illustrator, and then the best cover designer. So we will be picking a winner from all three categories. And those three winners, then, we will publish a book with them, with the, with the three of them. So the writer, the illustrator, and the cover designer. Um, the, the winning creative writer will link in with one of the editors, and we will get that perfected. Again, the same with the illustrator will be linked in with an illustrator, and the cover designer will link in with a cover designer so we can get the finished book perfected. Um, it's up to 500 words, but obviously if it goes over that, just submit the 500 mm-hmm. and then we can go from there. 
Okay. Um, we will we'll pick obviously the best entry, and then afterwards, when we have the book done, we'll do a launch, a book launch on it as well. So that's three different books being published. Then, if there's a book that's being illustrated as well, a book of illustrations. No, it's it, it, it's one book. Okay. So obviously, you have the writing in the book, you have the illustrations to do with the book. Okay. And then the cover design of the book. Brilliant. So the three winners will be linked into one book, and they will be the the names will be on the back and published by ourselves. Okay, great. Now, I think we're all a bit shocked by our, our own screen time. I think mine is up to seven hours a day now, which is a bit shocking. But I've heard parents talk about children being on screens a lot more during these times as well. So how would you encourage kids to get creative and sit at a table, like you said, and write maybe those 100 words a day until they have the makings of a 500 word book? I suppose... Um if you were to look at creative writing, it doesn't always get the same media attention mm. as the like of those, the, the computer games or the TV programs. I do think children um, have great imagination and it's a case of tapping into that. It's about, you know, giving them maybe time frames, letting them sit down at the kitchen table and saying that, you know, you would love to see them write something that you're very excited to see what story that they can come up with. Um, and, you know, showing enthusiasm as a parent towards the child to do it. And mm. um, if, you know, I know for me, if I was to sit anybody down and I was to ask them to, to write out a couple of words, it's about you being really enthusiastic for them to do it. Mm-hmm. And then once they write it and read it back to you, you know, a lot of the time children will have a serious imagination whereby, you know, um, you know, one minute the, the princess is going here, the next minute, you know, she's, she's slaying a dragon you know, we've had submissions in um, in relation to, you know, a different twist on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's there is a lot of imagination out there, but it's a case of just saying to them that, you know, instead of having the screen time, why not write a story? And wouldn't it be great to see your book published? Yeah. And encouraging them, like even sitting them down and reading stories to them, you know, for the for a few days and showing them what it's like to have a book, who the illustrator is, who the writer is. And what it would be like if their name was published onto, the, onto that book as well. Great. Well, as we said, uh, the age group is from seven years of age up to 13. It's your chance to get your book published. But also if you're, you have a child or you, you're arty, it's a chance to do some illustrations or book cover. The great thing about this, Amy, is I think, you know, even at that age, y- you n- never know what sparks something that which could become a future career. And do you find that yourself? Were you a creative child? Yeah, I was. And it, it, it is something that, that I would 100% say that, like, they could be writing here or illustrating. And you don't know down the line if that is their career. Mm. You know, they could, have a, they could have a flair for it, you know, and once they see one book, it'll encourage them to do the next. It'll encourage them to perfect their illustrations or perfect their writing or take up a creative writing course. It is something that I would recommend schools to get on board with um, and encourage the writing side because, you know, we kind of lose our imagination as we get older. Mm. Um, it's not as, um, what would you say, whimsical as it was mm. years and years ago. For me, I know from the illustrations that I do and the writing that I do, like, I'm nearly like a big child. Um, but I think it's very important that that they have that element of creativity and imagination in them, and it's a case of not wanting to lose it either mm. and carrying it with them. True, true. Have you got a closing date on this? The 1st of May okay. at 5 o'clock. 
Okay, so a few days left for this competition. And usually when you have just a few days, it gives you a chance to come up with ideas as well. I know when I sit down with some sort of deadline, it helps me to be more motivated too. If people want to go to your website, it's pendtopublished.com. The two is the number two. So that is pendtopublished.com. And then there's a competition section in the drop down bar. And there you'll see where you can submit your manuscript. Any other pointers you'd like to give people? People, any, any hints if they're sending stuff into your competition? No, it's just the more creativity and the more imagination, the better. There's no right or wrong answer on it. It's just, you know, love what you do, basically. Great. And once you love it, it'll jump off the page to me. Great. Thanks a million for talking to us, Amy. That is penned to published.com. The closing date for the chance for you to get your very own book published is May the 1st. And all the details are on that website. Amy, have a lovely day. Great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Take care. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Wexford Library has come up with a series of online events for children and parents over the coming weeks called Spring into Springtime. Teresa Kelly is a librarian in the Children and Young People's Department of Library Services in Wexford Library and she's on the phone, uh, as is Aileen Lambert, who's a traditional Irish singer from County Wexford, who is one of the people giving some of those classes. Uh, first, we'll talk to Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Orlin. Thanks very much for talking to me today. No problem. How are you getting on? Getting on really well. Very, very busy here. Um, working away from home uh, on uh, programs and uh, just continuing to engage uh, and uh, support uh, people out there. Now, I presume you're very used to a bustling library and especially in a children and young people's department. Never has that department been so needed by people during this pandemic. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And we're just we're finding that engagement is ongoing. Um, Our uh, e-resources are uh, really heavily used at the moment. As you probably know, Um, Wexford has one of the uh, highest rates of uh, e-book usage in the the country. Uh, And uh, the uh, Department of Rural and Community Development has just made an additional 200,000 available to supplement all the e-resources that we can offer. So uh, we're delighted now that that'll be coming on stream as well soon. Brilliant. Now, you've had, you, you have a lot of regular classes and workshops that happen yearly, which, of course, can't happen now. But you've been trying to get as many of them as possible online. Tell us about some of them that are going online. We were looking. We had all of these great talks organised and then we realised that because of the current situation, we weren't going to be able to uh, in, be able to uh, invite people, you know, to our libraries to um, to attend them. So we're looking at moving as many as possible online. So ADHD is going to be the first one. And because it's recorded um, and because we want people to be able to interact and engage, what we're doing is we're inviting people to submit their questions in advance. And then the questions are going to be, you know, sent to, um, in the case of the ADHD talk, they're going to be sent to Ken Kilbride. He's the chief executive of ADHD Ireland. And he will um, be answering the questions um, uh, in the talk that he'll be recording for us. And we're going to move on from there. Um, We know like that, you know, sleep issues are maybe a challenge facing a lot of people at the moment because they're out of the routine and everything. So our next talk is going to be on uh, sleep solutions um, for parents of babies and young children. 
And uh, so hopefully, hopefully that'll be uh, helpful to a lot of people out there. Great. And people can find out details on how they can send in those questions again on your Facebook pages if you search for Wexford Library. Um, another initiative that people can get involved with is Spring into Storytime, which is the library's annual celebration of family reading together. Tell us a little more about this. Spring into Storytime is, um, is all about parents and their children enjoying books together. So along with all of our e-resources, what we have um, is we have uh, videos that library staff are working on at home and they're posting on all of our library Facebook pages. So if you check out these, any of the library Wexford, Wexford Library Facebook pages, you'll find videos of story times and rhyme times that our staff have been working on in their homes and in their back gardens in some cases. And they're all there for parents to enjoy together with their children. Lovely. And you've one more thing we'll talk about quickly before we talk about the traditional singing that you're doing with different age groups too. And that is a bookmark competition um, for kids. But these bookmarks will, if the winner will get to be, their bookmark will get to be used within the Wexford Library setting. Tell us a little bit about that. It will, it will indeed, Orla. Um, Well, to celebrate World Book Day this year, we decided we'd have a bookmark competition and it's open to children and young people aged from 4 to 19 years. And it's also a part of uh, Wexford County Council Public Library Service Spring into Story program, Time Programme. And the winning entries are going to be printed as our official Wexford Public Library Service bookmarks. And there'll be copies available for free from all library branches in County Wexford. You'll have two weeks uh, until the 7th of May to get your entries into us. So just some of the events happening online at Wexford Library over the coming weeks. Uh, another initiative is the traditional song sing-along. Aileen Lambert is a traditional Irish singer. She's a lady behind teaching the workshops usually and now she's taking them online. And Aileen Lambert is a traditional Irish singer and she's the lady behind these. And Aileen, I had a look at one of your videos and now I'm constantly going around singing cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. It's in my head now. I'm thrilled. That is my <laughs> aim, is basically. I'm going to take over the world with these little earworms of, of traditional songs. So yeah. tell us a little bit about them, because they, they're traditional songs in one way, but they very much have nursery rhymes involved in them as well. Yeah, well, that, that first one, the, the cuckoo, that little chorus is actually a little song or a little verse that um, has been in existence for many years. Paddy Berry, the traditional singer and song collector from what well, is living in um, Drina now, mm. but when he was in school years ago in Duncormac, he learned that as a little song. And I picked up on it um, as a potential for being something a bit bigger. So that's the chorus. And then each of the verses um, is basically a different nursery rhyme gone a little bit cuckoo because ah. they, they all go a little bit mixed up. So that's why it's, I wrote it. I actually wrote that um, together. Well, like I say, I robbed from Nursery Rhymes and from Paddy Berry. I didn't have to write a whole lot, but I did put it together, particularly with young children in mind, because I do a lot of singing in schools um, and libraries with the Heritage and Schools scheme. Um, and because of that, uh, I wanted a new song for smaller children because it's um, I've plenty for older kids, but just I wanted something engaging for younger children. So that's where that came from. It was a project we did called Songs for Our Children, myself, my partner, and Michael Fortune, where we wrote new songs for children. 
Um, so that's where that one came from. So this one is for four to seven-year-olds and it's something that you can sit down and play the video from the Wexford Library's Facebook page and sing along yeah. with your kids. But you're also saying that like classrooms online can get involved too. Yeah, so it's there on Facebook. On the Every branch of Wexford Library has it on their Facebook page. So of course we're all turning into Facebook from home but Hmm. some of the schools if there's schools or teachers listening that don't use Facebook we have now uploaded both those to YouTube as well so if you go to the YouTube channel folklore.ie and put in my name um, you'll find those two Wexford Library um, videos will come up as well because schools find it more shareable that way you know Okay brilliant and then the second age group is what? Yeah, I think I have it down 8 to 12, but I've heard feedback. There's adults going around singing this, learning okay. it and singing it. And that's called um, Here I Am Amongst You. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this is a great song. It's um, It's got a lovely little lilted chorus. So the chorus um, is a bit of nonsense. Do right, didn't do right, goes on like that, um, which kids love. They just love the sound of it and mm. that it's pure nonsense and they immediately engage with it, I find. And then the chorus is... Um, or sorry, the verses then, each of them, there's a little bit of a riddle or a little bit of a joke or a punchline in each of the of the verses. And there's lovely actions to do with it as well. So it just makes it really more in, engaging and fun. And like I say, it, it, it suits particularly kind of 8 to maybe 12, but anyone can enjoy it. And there's something lovely about music as well, especially in these times, it really lifts the spirit. It really does. Um, And I mean, everybody can sing, you know. Some say they can't, but don't listen to them. Everybody can sing. (laughs) And these are great ways, even if you wanted to Zoom in with your grandparents or FaceTime your grandparents and do this with them as well. Everyone has that sort of a lilt and and knows those tunes almost. They're almost innate in us that we've learned them since we were kids. Yeah, absolutely true. And it's funny, there's just something about those, that's the style of traditional song. There's just a real ease uh, um, of learning. Even I find, you know, children that are maybe from other countries when I'm in schools, because of just the structure of the little, the, the language and the structure of the tunes, they just pick them up and they just they just float off the tongue. You know, they're just lovely, engaging songs. So Lovely. Well, as we said, they are available on the Wexford Library Facebook pages. So if you check out the library in your area in Wexford, and of course, if you're not from Wexford, if you're from anywhere in the southeast, you can check them out as well. And the two age groups are four to seven year olds. And the song for that one is Hear the Cuckoo Sing. And then the second song is for eight to 12 year olds. And it is Here I Am Amongst You. And they're workshops. So you're not going to throw them in at the deep end. You're teaching people as they go along. Well, that's it. Um, you know, I introduced the song. Uh, so I sing I sing a line and have you listen and then join in with me on the next time. And then when we've gone through the verse, we'll sing it and we piece it all together at the end. So it's done at the right time that suits a child or an adult to, to listen and to learn and then to sing it all through at the end. So some great ideas there from Wexford Library. If people want to get more details on the traditional sing workshops, Spring Into Storytime or the online parenting talks, it's the Facebook page of all the Wexford Libraries. So that is Gory, Bunclody, Enniscorthy, Wexford. Have I left any out there and at all? And New Ross. <laughs> Brilliant, Teresa. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thank you very much. And Aileen, thanks a million for joining me this morning too.
Thank you, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. So let's talk about some good proper drama because tomorrow night is really the big one, especially if you're a bit of a book reader like us, Donal, and you read Sally Rooney's Normal People, one of my books of 2019. Mm. Um, The dramatisation of that novel is out tomorrow night on BBC One at 9pm. I loved Normal People. Normal People is one of those books where if they ask you what it's about, you know, you can tell them in one sense, but there's no big crescendo to anything. It's just a gorgeous look of coming of age type book, isn't it? Yeah, it's coming of age drama. Mm. Um, yeah, young, young couple. Um, I've seen I've seen the first, I've read the book actually, like yourself, and, and loved it. Um, uh, and I've also seen the first four episodes of this actually. It's directed by Lenny Abrams and also right. by... Um, Someone else, uh, Hetty MacDonald is also doing directing duties, but it's kind of Lenny's baby to a large degree, Lenny Abramson. Which is great um, to hear. And it's got to, it's basically, as you say, kind of a love story. It's a love story, simply mm-hmm. as that. And it's about the, the relationship of Connell and Marianne, uh, who are leaving certain students, and they grew up in the fictional Sligo town of Carrick Lee. So she's kind of like the outsider in class, and like you know, a loner in a way. And he's kind of he's like the the jock, I suppose. Mm. To put it in short. He plays he's the GA football star. He's everyone loves him. Like he's 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 good looking. He's hunky, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they had they have a kind of a clandestine, they have a clandestine relationship. Mm. And you know, uh, they really, I mean, they really are. They really should be together. But like, she gets jostled up by her colleagues, or not, well, I won't say her colleagues, by her classmates. Um, but then as it moves on as you know in the book it moves on to, to go to Trinity and suddenly kind of in a way some things have reversed suddenly she's like the centre of attention mm. um, and whereas, whereas Connell is sort of the kind of on, on the edge on the outside in a way you know but it kind of charts the relationship in the novel and also obviously on screen as well and um, what I love about this actually what I love about the screen adaptation it starts very slowly so as I was interviewing Eileen Abrams and he says a lot of stuff in the book cannot be actually visualised because it's a lot of internal stuff you know what I mean yes but yes he, Lenny Abramson, I think it's probably, if anyone can do it, he can. Mm. And it's just done, I mean, I've seen, having I said, seen the first four, and this will be definitely one of the shows Brilliant. of the year, based on the first four. And of course, um, he's the man who did Room. And if anyone can do visualisation, you need to do it with the novel yes. Room, which was nominated for Oscars. So, yes. so you've Absolutely. seen four, so how many episodes are there? There are 12, actually, oh, and, they're oh, each, and they're each quite short as well. They're, they're half-hour episodes. Okay, um, not so brilliant. It's, it's got not so brilliant, but actually, um, BBC One, is say, tomorrow night, have it at 9 o'clock, but then on Tuesday, RT One, have it at 10.15, after primetime and all coronavirus stuff, mm-hmm. um, at 10.15, and it's a double episode, so it gets you into it. Um, you kind of really need a double episode, because yeah. uh, it's kind of a slow burn. It's beautifully played by two young actors, Paul Meskell, uh, a young man from Maynooth in County Kildare who's 24 years old mm. who was in his heyday in his heyday back in as a, a young GA talented GA football player but he's a very very talented actor this is incredibly his first screen role wow. on TV on, on any screen TV big or small okay. and Daisy Edgar Jones who's a Londoner she's 21 she plays um, um, a Marianne um, she does have some Irish background I think her mum's from Northern Ireland uh, but she does it, she plays uh, Marianne beautifully I mean it's funny because Again, speaking to the cast and to the the, the directors, uh, to Lydia, you have visions in your head, images in your head, of, from the book, don't you? Yes. I mean, I'm sure you do. And I'm just looking the at their photos like. here, and they do fit in with what I think they should look like. Yes, and I like they bring something to the, they bring something great, and it just you just so get so engaged with these characters, really, like you know, Brilliant. and really having the double it. episode, I'd advise you, like 
double episodes break because it gets you into it even more so okay. you know it's just a beautiful thing and, and the music have... music plays as, it plays a part of the role, oh, role as well but even more so as it goes on say from episode episode four onwards the music becomes more sort of part of the scene if you like that brilliant a bit like mm. Jerry Girls so that is tomorrow night if you just want one episode at 9pm on BBC One but if you want that double episode which I think you will it's RTE One ten fifteen on it Tuesday I'm finding that with Killing Eve they're really short episodes because obviously it's for BBC America so it's full of ads Whereas I've been mm. watching real hour-long Netflix and ITV type stuff, and yes. then suddenly I just have like forty minutes of Killing Eve. So yeah, isn't that the thing? It's mm. almost like in a short space of time, our, our brains have evolved that we now need to be in binge frame. So yes. I think you know we can't wait. I need I need at least an hour at least yeah. of stuff because I can't. And that's think of it definitely for the times we're in. Because if I look at something on YouTube in the past and it's more than two minutes, I'm like, not nope, done. You know. So maybe maybe that's an advantage. Okay, let's talk Hollywood, which um, kicks off on May first. Am I right in saying that? Yes, it's a Friday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood. This is yeah. getting a lot of talk. Most it's been hyped a lot. I suppose mm. a, a big reason is Ryan Murphy's the man behind it. Ryan Murphy is a kind of the hot wonderkind, and he was given buckets of money by Netflix to come on board and and, and, and tell us write what something. He's done like before, it. like anything. He good did Glee, I... I suppose. Glee. Okay. He did, okay. Um, yes, of course. You know the one about the two cosmetic surgeons? What was it called? Oh yes. Um, with oh, Mac- was Dylan um, McDermott in that? No, it was yes. that Julian. Uh, yes, 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 Julian. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that called? Nip Tuck. Nip He did that as well. He did. He's done umpteen things actually. Down he did Eat, Pray, Love. I see here as well. Eat, Pray, Love. He directed that. It's like a big screen. Yeah, yeah. But this is actually uh, surprise, surprise, about Hollywood. But it's Hollywood set in the post World War Two era, um, and it's very much kind of oh, lots behind, of themes in this. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah it's across, it's about you know the unfair system of Hollywood oh, mm. in its golden age, big deal. Yeah, Biases, um, race, gender, sexuality, yeah. which continues to this day. But it's, cu- mm. it's curious in this in the in, in post Me Too generation, they haven't done it. How come they haven't done Hollywood today? Mm. <laughs> too, too much danger there, I suspect. Uh-huh. But this is set in the post-World War II thing. And it's got a, it's got a kind of a big cast. I mean, it's got Darren Chris, who is in the Gianni Versace yes. a, a drama, which was called The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Yes, you right. have Dylan McDermott. You have Patty Dupone. You have... Um, Samara Weaving, who started off in Home and Away and then was in a Samara Weaving, horror that's correct, yeah. last year. Remember, she was a bride being chased which? by... She was in a horror last year where she was well, a new bride being chased by her in-laws. <laughs> was that a horror story? Was it? <laughs> Many people will relate to that. Yes, yes, yes. Not really a horror story. True life drama. <laughs> but she was in Home and Away is how you most... And Ryan Murphy was also involved in American Horror Stories. Well, like ah, very there, good. Yeah. Okay. But this is said like it's in post-World War II Hollywood. Um, it looks like... It looks like it could be very interesting. I haven't seen any of it yet, but... Um, I'm going to give each, it a go. Each character, in the, it's as well, actually, seven episodes. Each character their own, tells their own story in a way and how the world treated or mystery like in that. Hollywood. The yeah. really funny about things about this, and you probably know in the uh, genre of the media that you work with in, is when I search for it, it already has ratings and those ratings are about 50%. Does that mean yeah. someone has already? I know. Uh, yeah, but like I don't know. That's just I don't know what that is. I mean, yeah, I got yeah. um, I literally got it. I haven't get, got to watch any of the episodes. I got a, I got a preview of the seven episodes there mm. a couple of days ago. Um, so I'm not sure about those ratings really. I mean, okay, let's you give know, it a go ourselves. Give it a go. Decide. Give it a pearl. Give it a one episode. And that anyway, movie yeah. that Samara Weaving was in was called Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Where she's chased by, by the being chased by somebody. Yeah. Not the group. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, finally this morning, let's talk about Code 404, which is on um, Now TV and also kicks off on Sky One all on Wednesday. Yes, uh, Sky One Wednesday, 10 p.m. or Now TV, as I say. This is a weird one. I've actually watched a couple of episodes. It's a really odd one, actually, because it's got a really good cast. It's got Anna Maxwell-Martin, 
Stephen Graham and Daniel Mays. Okay. Uh, the latter two, you probably, all three of them actually, I think were in Line of Duty. Mm. Uh, Stephen Graham had an amazing year last year with, uh, with Line of Duty, obviously, but also mm. The Virtues oh, and also he was, in, he was in The Irishman yes. uh, as well. And Daniel Mays, who you probably know from Line of Duty and other things, is a really, really fine actor. I mean, both of them are actually very serious actors. That's the but very tall man in Line of Duty, is it? That's right. He's got, the, he's got a kind of pudgy kind of face. Oh, I'm just trying to describe the character by his face. He's got <laughs> his <laughs> grizzly kind of looking guy. But... Uh, Soft featured, but yes, um, yes, yeah, he's a very good actor. He's actually coming up with something on Netflix, which we talk about probably next week because I interviewed him about it this week. Uh, called White Lines, it's uh, set in Ibiza okay. back in the heyday, but nice. anyway, so that's, that's for next week. This week, he's in Code 404. Uh, it opens, he plays a copper, an undercover copper called John Major. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, this is a comedy, by the way, okay. <laughs> just in case. So, so it opens up with a, a sort of a drug bust scene where he's undercover cop, right? I'm not giving much away because this opens in the first five minutes. So Daniel Mays, as John Major, undercover cop, uh, is involved in drug bust and he gets shot dead, oh. dead. He is dead in the first five minutes. This okay. is what so, happens to him in Line of Duty. Okay, but yes. then, yeah, <laughs> but there is a big but here. Uh, his 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 colleague, uh, played by Stephen Graham, comes on and goes, "Oh my God, you're dead!" Blah blah blah. So then, fast forward some time later, uh, Stephen Graham's character is in the office in the in, in the and who arrives on the scene? But Daniel Mays, John Major is back. Okay, he's a RoboCop. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> basically, Code Four Hundred Four is basically there's obvious, but there is a problem because Code Four Hundred Four, if you know your jargon, is, uh, re- re- well, it refers to uh, there's a, a problem somewhere in in in, okay. in the software, or the hardware. So while he's back as a cop, uh, there's a few glitches in the system. So um, he's a bit kind of uh, wrong wired in some ways. So it's kind of real knockabout, kind of crazy, kind of weird comedy. Okay, um, I like the idea of this because I usually... The idea is good. I'm not sure it really works though, because I'm just going, what are these guys doing? I'm going to give it a go because I don't really like those kind of police comedies. I didn't like No Offence on Channel 4, but I like the premise of this. Mm. Mm, okay. The bizarre one. Bizarre. I mean, he's got I a great like cast, bizarre. though. I've seen first two and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm still not sure what's going on. Well, okay. I know what's going on, but I'm not sure if it's working. Yes. Yeah. But at least for comedies, they're about, what, 22, 23 minutes? Yes, it's, it's, yeah, they're half hours. Yeah, yeah. we can do okay. that. We can do that. Okay, so that is Wednesday, Sky One um, at 10 p.m. Code 404 is what it's called, but it's also on Night Now TV if you have that streaming service. Um, but the big one I'm really looking forward to is tomorrow night at 9 p.m. on BBC One. It's called Normal People by Sally Rooney. If you haven't read the book, I say read that book. It's fabulous. But it's on, on Tuesday as well at 10.15 on RT1 for a double episode. And what was the other one we talked about? Oh, yes, Hollywood. Hollywood, indeed. Yeah, which is on from Friday. But just one thing about um, normal Netflix. people. On Netflix, exactly, from Friday. And uh, One thing about normal people, actually, was shot on location, actually, in Tubbert Curry in oh. County Sligo. So... Uh, which oh, is yes, because it's set for, in Carrick Lee. It's set in Carrick Lee, yeah, the yes. fictional town called Carrick Lee in County Sligo, yeah. So, oh, so from Tower Tower Curry or thereabouts. Brilliant. Love yeah, it. That. Great, yeah. Donal. Some lovely television there now. Hopefully. No Zoom. I mentioned Zoom. <laughs> I know, because we're running out of Coronation Street episodes, and I am a big Coronation Street fan. Oh, are you? Do you know yeah. who I spoke with yesterday, actually? Or during the week, I should say, was Angela Griffin. You remember Angela yes. Griffin from. Is she coming so back? We, we talk Nation about Street? that. She's, in, she's also in White Lines, this oh, new Netflix okay. drama. Oh, okay, great. So we should talk about that in the next couple of weeks. And she, I think she might be coming back to Coronation Street because her she daughter. She was back was... last year, briefly, yes. and she talked about that as well, so I can tell you updating and that. Yeah. Ironically, do you know how she was back last year? On phone. Via Skype or Zoom? Zoom. It was on a phone, yeah, it was on yeah, like a video. There you go. She was on location in yes. Ibiza shooting the uh, White Lines. That's ah, right. okay. It all <laughs> makes sense now. We're all coming full circle. Thanks a million, Donald. Thanks, Laura. Talk to you next week. 
The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.